Organissima New York. Your exotic skin, hair, and beauty source, and your one-stop shop for all your natural and organic skin and hair care. Featuring authentic organic Moroccan oil and prickly pear seed oil and much more. Bringing you only the best, straight from the source and proudly produced in the USA. So what are you waiting for? Shop today. Arganissima, New York. Your beauty is our duty. Folks, welcome back to the iHealth channel, iHealth Radio, with your host, Hurricane Age. New day, new show, awesome topic. I have a, an excellent uh, story and of determination, resilience, success uh, that, that uh, really can inspire a lot of folks. And, and whatever you're going through in life, it could be devastating and sometimes it can have detrimental outcomes. But yet, it's how you take you know, the next step and how you can turn things around makes a difference and we're going to do that today so with me without any further ado i have elizabeth mccarterwitz and i got it right yeah you did <laughs> <laughs> all right and and so 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 it's a story you know uh this is a person who've overcome trauma addiction domestic violence brain injury i mean uh prison time i mean it's it's but but this is a designer today with a company that that just running and so that just to give you a little brief on on what we're going to be talking about today so elizabeth or is it elizabeth or liz how do you want me to elizabeth <laughs> elizabeth okay elizabeth so welcome to the show and let's let's get started with with the beginnings right you know how it all started then because that story about uh the trauma the, you know that that and i've read some stuff i mean it's pretty brutal stuff that you've had to endure so let's let's share that with you because because people anywhere everywhere in the world probably can experience similar stuff which we don't want them to hopefully not uh, maybe this will give them some sort of awareness as well yeah um you know i grew up in maine um i was never exposed to violence or drugs like the my family that adopted me you know they were really great people and um I was really naive to a lot of, you know, a lot of the narcissistic psych, uh, psychological abuse tactics. And um, so when I got out on my own, I ended up with this really abusive man. And it wasn't like he just slapped me around a few times. It was like he hit me once and I was in the hospital with my skull showing. And um, when I was in the hospital for that, I found out I was pregnant with my son and... <laughs> So they literally had to sew the muscle back and then sew the skin back. And I couldn't lift this eyebrow for a year. They told me I was going to have to have plastic surgery to get it fixed. And now I had this like huge scar on my you know, forehead that I was really self-conscious about. And I started having seizures from the brain damage. And I would literally go deaf and blind for moments at a time. And um, they told me I was on too small of a dose to get addicted which is a lie that the pharmacy companies, you know, love to push out there to get people addicted and profit off of their suffering. And um, also I was on um, state insurance now. I wasn't on my parents' private insurance. So I noticed I was treated a lot differently. And when they sent me to the pain clinic, cause at first I took the, I took the painkillers, but when it was clear that this was gonna be, you know, a chronic pain issue and it was not gonna go away, 
Um, I was like, I don't want to be on this stuff. I'm pregnant. Like, I don't want to be addicted. I don't want my baby to be addicted. None of that. And they literally told me that if I refuse, it would result in a call to child protective services because I was refusing medical advice and my blood pressure was skyrocketing from the amount of pain I was in, which they said was causing the baby distress. But you know, opioids, all they do is make the pain receptors in your brain more sensitive. So when it wears off, you're in twice the amount of pain and big pharma knew this. And so they were just happy to ha push it on everybody. You know, they came through the back door of rural communities like my community in Maine. And I watched everybody fall apart on pills. I watched my community, you know, pretty much go down the toilet because of these big pharma companies. And so, you know, the abuse got worse. Um, he would trap me in the bathroom and literally torture me for hours. Like it would start with me begging for my life and it would end with me begging him to kill me just to get it over with. And um, he would, he choked me to the point, um, if, if, if you have a partner that chokes you or strangles you, they are 600 times more likely to kill you. That was a really hard statistic for me to learn. Um, because he choked me to the point my windpipe was damaged. And so I would have these fits up to a year after this, my throat would randomly just close. Like if I had hiccups or anything like that, my throat would close and I would have to chug water just to be able to breathe. And this was terrifying. And so I finally went to Spruce Run, the battered women's shelter in Bangor, Maine. And they first cut, they called me a liar because they said I wasn't crying. Most victims come in um, and they're crying. So I didn't cry on cue and they called me a liar. So I brought in my medical records. I uh, gave them the number of the officer that literally brought me to the hospital when you know the last showdown when he came after me with a uh, shotgun and was sitting out on the fire escape. Oh yeah, it was a big mess. Then they did a complete 180 and said, well, your injuries are so extensive and your situation is so dangerous. We can't help you because it puts the other women in the shelter in danger. So the girl that got one of those beds was in the same housing complex as me. She didn't get hit. The guy kicked her car. And yes, that, that's domestic violence, you know, destroying property and intimidation. But in comparison to my situation where I would have been dead if I didn't go to the hospital, like, you're going to turn me away. And then they threatened me with cops if I didn't leave. So this was like rock bottom for me. And I had made a deal with my father that if they didn't help me, I would sign temporary guardianship over to my kids. Because number one, I wasn't a safe caregiver now anyway with, you know, the head injury where I was going to seizures and I wasn't, you know, I was losing consciousness frequently. And um, I didn't want, you know, my ex to show up with the cops. And then, you know, my dad, by law, would have to hand my son over. So, you know, I didn't want to go through that, you know, horror of trying to get my kid back or something happening to him. And, you know... Drug dealers basically were the only one people that helped me. And yes, they also took advantage and, you know, was like, oh, yeah, here's a bunch of drugs. Go sell them and, you know, hopefully you don't kill yourself. But, in you know, it was, you know, get just sinking further and further into a life I never wanted. I was in college. I had plans. Like, I, I wanted to do stuff. And I caught charges in 2011 and then the feds picked up after I was done. I didn't go back to selling drugs. You know, I still used here and there, but not like strung out, you know, every day or anything like that. And, um, the feds picked it up and I got held accountable 
for the same drugs twice. So that whole double jeopardy thing doesn't exist for drug dealers in America. And, you know, it was a nonviolent drug crime, first time offense. And I got, I was lucky to get 37 months. If I was a black woman or a brown woman, I probably would have gotten six to nine years, you know, and that, that does not sit well with me at all. You know, I grew up in Maine thinking that, you know, oh yeah, we had the civil rights movement and things used to be, you know, oppressive and racist, but now everything's good and everything's, you know, equal. Like I was under this illusion of white supremacy my whole life and I had to go to prison to finally see through that. And, um, you know, like my first week at Somerset County, I witnessed an entire pod of women get stripped out because they signed up for a razor and a male sergeant wanted a list of who shaved their vaginas and who didn't. Those that did were punished. This is the PG stuff that goes on in prison. And, you know, 70% of women in American prison have some sort of domestic violence or sexual assault before they even get to prison. So we're the women that slipped through the cracks that society failed and we were so desperate, we turned to a life of crime because we had no other option. I had exhausted all other options before I started breaking the law. And you know, most of the drug dealers that you know people talk about, oh, crime's so high, they're just people trying to pay their rent and feed their kids. And, you know, it's so hard to even survive now in this country. People are forced to break the law in order just to get their basic needs met. If people's basic needs were provided for and easily attained, we wouldn't have such a high crime rate. And, you know, the other, you know, the other thing is one thing I learned is that predators flock to these institutions for employment. You know, because they know that juvenile children aren't going to be believed and women in prison aren't going to be believed because we have felonies. We have drug charges. You know, it. so it's OK if you abuse us. It's OK if you rape us. I had conservative women telling me when I got out of prison, if I don't want to get raped by cops, then I shouldn't go to jail. Like, just say you're OK with cops being predators because that's what you mean. So, yeah, um. Another thing about prison is, um, you know, I, I hear this argument that, um, you know, oh, inmates get free health care and blah, blah, blah. Well, 60% of the prison doctors in Alabama have lost their medical license. And doctors who have lost their medical license are allowed to work at prisons and they're allowed to work at native clinics. So that was a disgusting dose of racism and genocide that's still going on in this country against, you know, natives. And I think it's absolutely disgusting. I watch so many women die of very treatable things in prison because they just won't get them the health care. For instance, uh, this one girl was her job was shoveling snow and she slipped on the ice and broke her foot. By the time they brought her to the hospital, they had to re-break her leg because the bone had fused back together. This is barbaric and it's completely unnecessary. You know, especially I was camp status. They don't even have fences holding us in. Like we can literally walk off the compound anytime we want. We are there on our own accord. And, you know, they like to continue to push this. I have authority over you. Yeah. And I can leave whenever I want, like, and make you look like idiots to the BOP. But, you know, that's, that's different topic. Um, so while I was at um, Cumberland County, they used to bring these juveniles with us and, um, this one girl, she was 17, 
she stabbed a CEO at Long Creek because she repeatedly got raped. So they brought her with us. Just to terrorize this little girl further, on Christmas, they tell her that she's going back to Long Creek for her last two weeks. She slit her throat that night. This is better than going to some of these institutions. You know, and I'll say it again, predators flock to and be employed at these institutions because they know they're gonna get away with it. And you know, this is what we really need to address because these institutions have too much power and they're allowed to conduct their own investigations and they will cover it up before they answer for any crimes because it makes them look bad. Um, at Somerset County, I was forced to strip in front of cameras under duress of being maced and extracted. And for all of you out there who thinks, oh, well, I would just refuse. You, you can refuse, that, that's your choice. You will be met with a fully armed, suited up SWAT, SWAT team with, you know, sh shock shield, electric shock shields that electrocute you with, you know, batons, mace. Um, they have these canisters they throw in your cell and it's chemically designed to take the oxygen out of your throat. And, you know, if you, they hit one cell, it hits all of them because it comes through the vents. So the, the rest of the inmates who weren't doing anything to piss them off are getting hit with this. And it's terrifying being in one of those cells and you can't breathe. And um, so I was forced to strip under duress of being maced and extracted. I also had a female sergeant telling me to kill myself when they gave me the wrong medication and I was in full-blown psychosis, you know, because they gave me the wrong medication for my diagnosis. And nobody ever likes to talk about when doctors give you the wrong psych meds and what can happen to you and how bad, you know, it can affect you. Um, but that's what was happening to me. And um, she told another inmate to kill themselves and it was in the paper after I got out they had to cut that inmate down from a suicide attempt. This is how these officers are treating people with mental health issues in America. Like they are pushing them to the brink of suicide. And you know, we had, there was an 18 year old little girl who got convicted of manslaughter because she kept telling her boyfriend to kill himself and he actually did it. So you can lock up a sick little 18 year old girl, but this officer at Somerset County Jail can tell multiple inmates with mental health issues, kill themselves, even get one of them to attempt it. And she still gets to keep her pension. And um, so when I got to Alderson Prison, I filed a PREA complaint against Somerset County. That stands for Prison Rape Elimination Act. So anything sexual goes under a PREA complaint. When Alderson got the response back, they wouldn't even allow me to hold it, to read it myself. They wouldn't give me a copy. They wouldn't let me send it home. And this is how they bury the abuse. These institutions cover for each other because the boys in blue, it's just one big gang. And I'm not here to push that all cops are bad because for every cop that tried to hurt me, there was another risking their job trying to make it stop. So I'm not pushing this agenda that all cops are bad because you know that's not necessarily true. There's just a very big number of them that are, and they're not held accountable and bad behavior is awarded. So Somerset County admitted to everything I, I had complained about and then they deemed it unfounded. So that's it. When they deem it unfounded, it doesn't go any higher. So these institutions cannot continue to be allowed to do their own investigations. That's, that's the bottom line. And um, so when you get out, you have 100 days to file a complaint. And so what Alderson did by not letting me have it, you know, I went to the Freedom of Information Act. They couldn't even find this complaint. And 
So you have 100 days to file a complaint. The first thing they ask you is, was there an outcry at the time? Did you file the paperwork? Where's the proper chain of command? Well, yes, I did, but they wouldn't give me give it to me. They wouldn't even let me send it home. So this is how they're bearing the abuse. And um, when I got out, um, the captain at Alderson, Captain Grimes, and four of his subordinates all got convicted of raping and stalking inmates and tampering with PREA evidence. I wasn't even close to their worst victim. But, you know, here we are. And I'm still trying to get this paperwork from Somerset County. I requested it when I got out. They wrote me a letter, the same captain who did the investigation and deemed it unfounded while admitting to everything I was complaining about. And it's illegal in the state of Maine, in the DOJ book, for cameras to be inside of a cell on an inmate where they go to the bathroom, where, you know, where they sleep, all of that. So he writes me back and says, we already gave you it, so we don't have to give you another copy. And if you want a copy, you're going to have to get a lawyer to subpoena it. So I got a lawyer. And he requested the paperwork as well. And he said, you can't subpoena paperwork without an open case. And you can't open a case without a paperwork. So they know what they're doing. And they don't have to follow the law because it's an institution. You know, by law, they have to give it to me. But there's no consequence if they don't. So one of the bills I'm pushing for, and I think this should go across the board, quite frankly, in America, that an institution gets fined, like, I don't know, $500 a day for every day they stonewall an inmate on the paperwork, because this creates other problems too. I tried to get my medical records. They wouldn't give me my medical records. So now these doctors are like, well, we can't prove that you were on this medication. So we got to give it to you again because of insurance issues. I'm like, you, I'm telling you this medication made me suicidal and you're making me go on it again because there's no record of it. Like, I understand I have mental health issues, or a mental health diagnosis, but you should listen to what I'm saying because I'm self-aware and I know what's happening to me. Just because I have a hard time, you know, uh, or keeping my emotions in check because of trauma and whatnot, doesn't mean I don't understand what's happening to me. And so this creates all kinds of problems. And these institutions need to be held accountable. And um, it's not just the jails; it's the colleges, it's you know the military, it's big institutions that care more about their reputation than you know doing what's right and it's become very predatory and you know automatically you know like i said women like me are not going to be believed so i am a predator's favorite victim and you know that's <laughs> really i am because they know oh she's got a bipolar diagnosis she's been to prison no one's gonna believe her that is how they look at it so, and so, that's the truth. So, so a little bit, I, you know, I, I, I let you let you go through the whole thing, and and I think you've covered like maybe twenty topics that we can have twenty <laughs> episodes for. <laughs> you know, each one of them can actually has has its own you know merit and and discussion. But but really, um, first of all, I have to say, wow. I mean, I mean, there's no words to to really, I guess, break this down any easier. I think for our audiences watching or listening right now, they'll just be like you know, open mouth and just like, what the hell, right? I mean, um, you would think this is a movie story, like, you know, literally like one of those, you know, movies, 
but we're talking to you. You've experienced this. Ultimately, we're taking your word for it. Obviously, this is you telling us. But but because someone will always, there's always someone that's just like, well, maybe she just wants to talk about it. And, and I'm just disclaiming that because some people are always going to, I I get oh, to I this. Oh, I know, I know. Feels like, ah, it's just a show. And well, it, it's yeah. funny because when I used to disassociate, like in like super stressful, traumatic situations, that's exactly what I would say. I'd be like, this is a movie. Like, this is not happening. Like, this is not my life and so it's funny you said that well, no, no, no. i mean listen i first of all i have no reason not to believe you i actually believe you i mean it is real uh you've gone through this and uh what what there's so many things i want to just tackle one one by one the first thing is just the relationship that got you into the original domestic violence which eventually got you not only hurt but you know the trauma the, I guess the the mental piece as well as getting forced to eventually get into the drug and and really go into that because that's some people I mean people are judgmental right right so some oh, people yeah, will, will, will say like well it was your fault you selected this relationship you're the one who decided this there's always a way out and there there is a logic in that thought process right you know I mean because we do have choices but no you're one right. can and when, I, when I it's funny because people have said that to me before. Well, why did you say? Well, when I tried to leave, I got held hostage in my own house for three days and beaten and raped. So not to mention he threatened to kill my kids and my family. So like that's what happens when women try to leave. That's why women stay, because they either don't have the funds to leave. They physically have no way out or they are so mentally broken and terrified. Like it's just. They don't even, they can't even fathom that. And also the, th yeah. the thing about the shelters, this is a problem with victim-based shelters. Um, like a friend of mine, she was a sex trafficking survivor and she was trying to get into the human trafficking shelter. They turned her away because she wouldn't snitch her pimp out. Like it is not these victims job to do law enforcement's job for them. Like you are trying to get something out of this victim. You're already getting funding to help these women. And the only way you're going to help them is if you get a testimony out of them. You want them to put themselves in harm's way. You know, these pimps have, you know, their IDs, where their kids live. These pimps know how to get these women cornered so that they're helpless. Well, well, thank you for, for, for adding that to, to, to the discussion because... Uh, right now, let's let's tackle the domestic violence piece, right? And and that is a by the way, uh, in the states, you know, as as well developed as we think we are as a country, uh, we have it. It is a tr reality in in the and by the way, it's in the cities, it's in the suburbs, it's everywhere. And uh, all communities have these things. As a matter of fact, even in the most affluent neighborhoods, one of the most calls are domestic violence calls. You know, yeah. uh, not 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 anything else. There's no real crime, but but that's a crime in itself. I mean, there's no murder. I mean, maybe right. once on occasion you get something in a in affluent neighborhood, but you do get drugs and you get you know some of domestic you know calls. Uh, and in depends on what city, depends what county, depends where you are. There are services, obviously. There's definitely shelters, and uh, some companies will provide some help and so on and so forth. But you're right, there is a lot of. Uh, paperwork there's a lot of bureaucracy red tape and so on and so forth and these little fine you know prints you know are where people don't know and if you don't have the guidance there's a good chance you're going to be on your own uh there's the fear factor as you said i mean let, let let's i'm going to just put it blunt um you know it happened you got a relationship it can happen to anyone you don't know it's who not you not like these men tell you i'm a woman beating sociopath no they have a mask on and they are very good manipulators 
I, I hear. And, and by the way, and by the way, there's there's both sides, men and women. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm not going there. But but, you know, <laughs> but but just 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 as, as a, you know, again, to be clear, you know, on, you know, for our audiences, this is not, you know, a male or female thing. It happens. Obviously, there's more Absolutely. female that are being abused than men, I would say, you know, in that. And by the way, this is not in the States. It's also now becoming a worldwide event. I mean, it's happening all over the world. Yeah. And uh, but, but what you're talking about is. You know, a relationship can happen. It happens in high schools, in mid schools now. I mean, it's it's everywhere, right? And you never know until that person becomes possessive and aggressive and so on and so forth. And there's the pretend of or the pretext of love or feelings, or whatever. I don't want to leave. And then that's usually, you know, how it starts. And then there is that obsession. Exactly. And then then now your your the fear becomes, you know, a real thing and you don't want to go because you're afraid. Now uh, a lot of specialists, a lot of doctors, and what's you know, will tell you like if you have a sign, you need to walk away, and you, and and it's easier easier said than done, because that's the part that you know, n unless you've gone through it, you're not gonna understand it. Uh, people can be very uh, obsessive with people, and and uh, you know they can be tend to react, and then they might need help themselves, and sometimes that's the problem. If you tell them you need help, it's like no, I don't need help, I'm good, I'm fine. Uh, even though there, this reaction, the the actual anger and so on and so forth, this is all psychology one on one. It's happening right. in real time. But then you are the victim of it. And yes, now you said you had a child. Uh, you know, now that's the other thing. Now you have a kid in in the mix. It becomes even harder to leave. Most of the women that yeah, that eventually claim you know some sort of a domestic violence later on in their lives, they would have hidden it from family, from a lot of folks, you know. Until oh, I it, hid it from everybody. I hid it from everybody because I, I was and, scared someone was going to call CPS on me. I was scared, well, you know, all all of the all types of things could happen. So, 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 Elizabeth, that's the thing. Now, you know, when if it were if it were only you, it's one thing. But now, when you have kids, right. now you're not you're afraid to lose your children, or you're you know because of you know not safe you know environments and so on and so forth but yet you're also a victim just as much as they are you should all be able to move there but it's not happening not, and at least not the i can say i mean the, i've seen services that do deliver depend i mean in in the new york city area and there's a lot of you know services that work but again i can't talk about all of them and i have not really i mean i've interacted with some of these services over the years because of you know my healthcare work and and I, I do work for the insurance companies i've worked in the community and so we've done some work i mean it's it's a big deal right and yeah. but but not to the rate where it makes you know a difference to where you like like what you would expect right i mean to your point the only thing that can do it is legislation and and, and if you're lucky that can make a difference right uh and i, I think you're a, a great voice for it and you're doing the work and you're talking to reps and hopefully you, know, you get some bills you know passed but so that's the first thing so again to get that the first part of the discussion is that domestic violence is real it is difficult it affects your psyche it affects your health it affects everything else and it can be uh you can you could have easily killed the man <laughs> you know that's one and and, and then now being in in the government you know uh you know uh, uh hospitality you know in the federal and then i'd be in prison for life for life exactly you know, I, I was in prison with women who finally snapped after being exactly. beaten and raped by their husbands for years well, and it would be it would be self-defense, but but you have to prove no, it. No, no, women don't get self-defense very often. They do mm -hmm. not get self-defense for killing a man very often. It's very rare. And he, like one of one of the women I was in prison with, she was in the hospital for two weeks because of what he did to her before they could even arrest her. And she's still doing 57 years. 
because he was a Marine and a man and he, dude, he was cheating on her, beating her, you know, they found drugs in his system and everything, but that was all fine because, oh, he's, you know, deitized, you know, as a Marine. And, you know, there is a class system in this country and white men are at the top of it. So if you kill a white man and you're anybody else, you have a very slim chance of getting self-defense in this country. And that's just what it is. And, you know, it's funny because you're I never scaring had... people. <laughs> you, you're bringing the reality of, of, you know, this is like real, you know, discussions, you know, from you experiencing these things. But what you are sharing is pretty powerful. I mean, uh, allegations, I would say, well, but they, they are real because you know them. But for most people, they, well, they're allegations to proven otherwise. But the fact is. They, there is smoke, there's fire, right? So there is, there is right. that. And, and most people would tend to agree that people that understand the system will probably agree with you. And I, mean, I keep my opinion neutral for the show's purposes. But, <laughs> but, but, but the fact is, I get it. You know, I, I understand, you know, what it means. Uh, there's so many things that we can talk about in terms of the discrimination. We talk about, you know, who's what, where. I mean, today... There's a big movement about women's equality in, in a lot of areas, and this is probably one of them, you know, that we can add to the list, right? Uh, so there's that. But but the, to your point, I mean, you had no choice eventually. Now, now people can say, like, you're wrong, Hurricane. You know, she had the choice. She could have walked. I, I can tell you guys, when you're a difficult situation, you know, nobody knows what you're going through except you. And, you know, we can assume, we can guess, we can potentially have ideas of how we could be done. But if you're not experiencing it, you're not going to know it. And that's it. And it's like when someone I did walk a few times and he called CPS on me and said I was doing drugs. <laughs> but but see, but that's the thing. So someone can say, well, you know, you could have let him do that. And then what's the next step? I mean, that was a choice, too. Obviously, right. you as a mother, you would not accept that. But see, that's the thing. Right. Someone who has kids would understand that. Someone who doesn't may not understand that. So you have all right. these these ifs and what's and what ifs. And, and those are difficult questions. And yes, this is not a blame. It's you did what you could at the time with what you had. Yeah. And that's usually what's happening with everybody. And by the way, that happens in, in real life and to all of us in any type of situation. That's what we have. We have a circumstances set or set of circumstances. We use what we can in our brains at the time, whatever we feel is necessary to do it. Sometimes it, it pans out, sometimes it doesn't. And, and the outcomes just roll up from there. It becomes an avalanche, right? And, and, and right. it gets bigger. And before you know it, there is de definitely repercussions that can be detrimental. And in your case, right. uh, you, you found an easy way out and ultimately to get some funding. And that's the other thing. Easy money. Drugs can do easy money. And uh, right. it's a quick way to, to get in. And, uh, and of course, if you get hooked, that's another one. So now you have the, the hook. You know, you, know, you have to, right. to get you in and that's it. You can't get out because you need it. And so now you have a way to exchange that. I mean, we this is common. We've seen it in movies, but it's real. I mean, those movies, they depict realities of and, and sometimes to a lighter degree because the reality can be even worse. Actually, I've yeah. seen I've worked in, in the communities and I've seen you know, real, I mean, most people don't see the real America. And there are, there have been documentaries, you know, out there that actually really demonstrate. I mean, if you go to Netflix, there are some documentaries. If you go to, you know, some of the shows out there, they've done some of these, you know, programs where you can see the real, you know, how people, like, you know, you see the luxuries, but you can also see the real, you know, deal. And, and those are not real events. Uh, these are not real uh uh, fun stories. They're actually difficult stories to absorb, and they're real people who are actually going through these things. And that's right. the, that's the part. It's it's amazing. You don't have to go. I mean, New York, uh, in Jersey, in Florida, in California. It doesn't matter where you are. There's there's a level of this happening every single minute. 
Now, now there is just, just you know, there is that discussion. I mean, I, I love what you said. There's good cops and bad cops. Uh, and, and again, correction officers, you know, versus, you know, regular law enforcement versus federal. I mean, these are all different agencies, different systems in a way. They might be all... They, they're, they're all in the same... Correct. I, I, and I'm not going <laughs> to... Category. <laughs> you, have, you have them blanketed, you know, as as one painted, you know, brush. But but that. But again. But again, I cannot change that from you because you have experienced it, you know. And, and I can speak about it, but I would not know yeah. what it is. Well, I'm not gonna. I'm not trying to sit here and say all cops are bad or anything like that because you know, for everyone that you know, uh, well, I appreciate that. me or hurt me. There was another risking their job trying to make it stop, and that's a problem within itself because you know, bad behavior gets rewarded and the cops that are actually saving people and you know trying to show them compassion and hold abusive cops accountable they're getting their career stomped on and that shouldn't happen but you know elizabeth what you're saying here is is true for all humanity there's only two kinds of people the good and the bad right and and unfortunately in every walk of life you're going to have those you're going to have the good and the bad and in in some circumstances you probably have more bad than good in this yeah, case in this in the system you're probably going to have that because there is that that visual effect that all of the folks that are in that facility are doing bad because they were bad people right but but you know if you talk to a psychiatrist i mean someone that actually has a mission for example driven concept they'll tell you you know, we want to help people not to get there. We want to help people. And you're right. I mean, if you go through the regular system, you're probably not going to get the top of the, you know, care, right? Uh, in, in the U.S., we have sick care. Well, as, considering as, uh, prison doctors, um, they let prison do doctors who have lost their license with the medical board, you know, work work at prisons and native clinics. So, yeah, that's, so, so that's that, what you're going to get. So, so, again, I don't know the, the facts about that. And, again, I'll, I'll do I'll check it out because I, I'll take your word for it because, again, um, see, I'm in the insurance space and I can tell you, you know, if someone loses their license, they cannot be on, on the system, at least not there. But I, I can't speak for the correction, you know, you know, uh, yeah. facilities, because if that's the case, maybe they're not uh, put in as doctors. Maybe they're like aides. The title may be different. I don't know. So I can't even go there, you know, because sometimes there are there's always a way around things. Right. <laughs> you know, because right. being board certified is one thing being, you know, or you can have no license and, and still practice under a different realm. And maybe just as, you know, an assistant, for example. Right. There's ways to do this. And I don't know if that was there is a way that they use it that way or they just simply just get someone who's got no license and still operate. Either way, I think that is not the re the overall story. But but again, we right. don't know. I mean, you have experienced it, you know, firsthand. And uh, you know, again, I, I I would now I'm interested in maybe discussing this with some other folks and bring in a, maybe a panel and 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 having a little discussion from all sides and and, and see like what they have to say about this because that could be a good discussion. So so that's I would one. love that. I would love that because I would love to call them out on their BS. Like for instance, when you go to prison. Um, I'm sure everybody's wondering why there's such a high rate of incarceration in America. We literally make up 25% of the global incarceration population, only 5% of the world. And um, that's because when you go to prison, they put you to work for 40 hours a week and pay you $5 and 25 cents a month. Well, uh, a hospital saves a three. Yes, a month, $5 and 25 cents a month, not a week, not a day, a month. And everything on the commissary, they jack the price up. So, for instance, back then, um, a package of ramen noodles cost 20 cents on the outside. It cost $1.50 in there. A box of tampons cost, like, 
$3 out here, it costs eight in there. So they are extorting us at every turn. And when you get to prison, if you don't have your GED or high school diploma, they make you take the GED. And that's great if you don't actually have a high school diploma or a GED. But what was happening, they're getting two grand for every inmate that enrolls in it. And then another two grand when the inmate graduates. So what they said is, we're not going to get your high school transcripts for you. You, the inmate with no resources, no access to the internet, no anything, have to provide us with these records, even though our entire education history is in our PSI, pre-sentencing investigation. It's in, they have all the paperwork already, but they do this so they can get the money. So we had women with doctorates and PhDs being forced to take the GED because it got the prison more money and these you know staff high up there could go home with a bigger you know holiday bonus and then they cut corners again and have the inmates with high levels of education teach the inmates who need the ged elizabeth, it's all about follow the money elizabeth people people are not gonna like you too much <laughs> you're making care. too much noise <laughs> i don't care no well listen i i do i do hear you and you know what you're giving me a, a real uh idea of really bringing someone from the system to talk about these i mean these are like, questions that should be asked to anyone i mean obviously yeah. no one's gonna admit to these things if they're really on the wrong oh, side no, they, they're not. they might have they're they might not. have an explanation to it you know but it would be interesting to see like what that reaction and response i also would. And when they would get their inspections, like with the state to inspect the buildings, we had an inch of black mold all in the showers at Danbury. I mean, the building is a health hazard, but they, they got investors to pay $80 billion for a brand new facility to house 40 more women, you know, at a time that they could make money off of. So they're having inmates doctor up and duct tape and pain over and you know cover up all of these health code violations so they don't have so they don't get in trouble and you know it's a complete it's i mean people's like health go go downhill in these older facilities like really quick i mean it, it was awful i mean there'd be roaches there'd be mice there'd be all kinds of horrible stuff that should not be you know in these government facilities but they don't care because they're making money off us. You know, there's a section at Alderson called the bus stop. It's okay. So you have a unit and you, everybody has their own cube. Well, at the front, they have all these bunk beds stacked next to each other. And, um, it's a fire code violation to have that many people in one place, but one inmate pays their fine off 20 times over within, you know, a couple month period of time. So they just pay their fine every year instead of abiding by fire codes and fire safety laws because it makes them more money. So so you're you're touching on the the fact that it's lucrative, but is there any connection with this in terms of um because they just see inmates as inmates and they don't as they're products. They see us as a product. Okay. And so they're willing to break laws because it gets them more products. And that, that's the point I'm trying to make. Like, you know, we have corporations offering to buy a lot of these prisons as long as they stay at 90% capacity, as long as they say 90% full. They're not trying to make people better. 
They want them to go back to prison. I keep hearing, oh, the system's broken, the system's broken. No, the system is doing exactly what it was designed to do, which is bypass slavery laws and, you know, rebrand it with mass incarceration and demonize these people. Oh, they're drug addicts, they have mental health issues, they're criminals, they're this. So you're gonna throw all these people away and put them to work for free. So your corporations don't have to pay people a minimum wage. And that's what's really disgusting to me. And over the pandemic, we went from three empty properties for every homeless man, woman, and child to 29 empty properties for every homeless man, woman, and child. And meanwhile, these prisons all across the country were taking out PPP loans to expand their prisons and add more wings to get more inmates in there and get more people in, in jail. And look what's happening. They're criminalizing homelessness in a lot of different cities. You can't even feed a homeless person without the risk of getting a fine. So you've created this housing crisis. You have all of these homeless people. And now in a lot of places, you're criminalizing it. So what's going to happen to these people? They're going to go to jail and they're going to be put to work for pennies a day. Oh, so, Elizabeth, I'm, I'm going to just throw in one one little uh, thing question. Someone says, if you had to leave the country before all this, you know, would you have done it? Yes. So, so the reason I'm asking this because I listen. I know there's there's a, a actually an increase in expatriates right now. In you know, uh, a lot of people are actually leaving the states to live in Costa Rica and other parts I of the world. I don't blame them. <laughs> and and it is happening. It, I think that the rate is has just increased recently post pandemic. Uh, for various reasons, you know, uh, economy is one of them, and I guess just lifestyle, rules, law, and all this stuff uh, to to kind of avoid. I mean, if you see a, a difficult situation, sometimes you have to remove yourself and go from it. Now, if you get caught in that current, is over. I mean, that you know, wh where you were is like rip current, right? You basically get yeah. sucked in, and it's very difficult to come out of it. And if you come out, yeah. you're lucky yeah, to come out of it. There's always going to be an impact on you, and that's exactly what happened. Uh, so, so, so. I, you know, I, I think we spend a lot of time on this and we can spend more, but I do want to touch on the uh, the shelters piece that you talked about where yeah. it was, you know, there were there were different rules about them and who can get in, who cannot. And obviously you were kind of almost rejected from those. Uh, and so that would that didn't work for you. Uh, you know, I, I guess, you know, this is a question for anyone watching and listening. I mean. Uh, maybe if you do have, you know, any ideas, come on the show. We can talk about it. Making maybe right. we can give some resources to people on how to navigate the system. But it is it is a difficult test, and I get it. I mean, these are you know not for profit services for in general, you know. And these yeah. people, some some people are volunteers. They get overcrowded easily in some parts, right? There were two beds open when I went there. They literally told me we have two beds available, but we're not going to take you. You said the reason was. Well, because. first they called me a liar because they said I didn't cry. All the other women apparently come in crying. I apparently I didn't cry. You should on have cue. just then, busted crying. That's it. You just have. To I I was in shell shock. My ex held a knife up to. I was eight months pregnant, and he was pushing me around, and I started crying. And he held a knife up to my face and goes, "One more tear rolls down your cheek. I'm going to cut your face off." So after that, I didn't cry. I bottled it all up, and I would just go into straight shell shock. So um, then I had it used against me again by the shelter. And they literally said, well, we don't believe you because you weren't crying. And so I went and I got proof. I got my medical records. They talked to the police. And then all of a sudden, my situation was too severe and too dangerous because my injuries were so extensive. And they were worried about the other women in the shelter. 
they weren't worried about me. They were just worried about the other women in the shelter who didn't actually get hit. The guy just kicked their car. And that's domestic violence, absolutely. I'm not like trying to, you know, say anything about that because breaking property and intimidation is absolutely domestic violence. But in compared to my situation where I literally would have died if I hadn't gone to the hospital, like that's what makes me angry. And, you know, I don't think I would have fallen so far if they had just helped me. And, you know, I, that, that's the problem. Like I met so many women in prison that had a story like mine, like 70% of women in there have domestic violence or sexual assault before they even go to prison. So so let's talk about that. This is a big deal. I mean, you, you said it, you know, unfortunately there is a moment where if someone intervenes and can help, there is a good chance they can make that person's outcomes better. And unfortunately, you know, to your point, there's a percentage where that doesn't happen. And that's when someone deviates or, or gets into a, the wrong road and then there's no coming back or point of no return. And then at that point, it's either that jail, you know, and those are those are bad outcomes, period. Right. And right. so, uh, you know, I think I think for audiences worldwide, whatever, you, if you're listening right now, viewing this, you know, watching the show, uh, this is where what we're trying to do is to educate people and, be, and make you aware that these things happen. And so if you can help someone, you know, and even if you can't help them in your facility, maybe there's another facility, maybe there's something that you can do. Right, it can, even point them in the right direction. Like, exactly. I mean, and that's what I was begging. I was like, well, can you, can you tell me something, anything? Like, just tell me somewhere to go. Tell me who I can call. They said, well, if you don't leave, you we're going to call the cops on you. That's what I got from them. So, so I want to ask, this is a technical question. Parents, were they around, you know, in those, or they were just completely off the discussion with you? Oh, no, my parents were taking care of my children and I didn't want to bring the chaos to my parents' house. You know, you had to endure this on your own. Yes. You know, and I didn't really know what to do. And yeah, my brain had been warped from, you know, all of, you know, the psychological trauma. And I didn't want to tell the cops because I was, I was scared of being a snitch and, you know, all that whole thing that goes into it. And yeah, you just, and you know, like cop, I've seen so many situations where the cops showed up and they just didn't do anything. I mean, you know, my, my biological mother's you know, situation. She had a witness of that man holding a knife to her throat. And the cop said, well, you need to have three physical assaults before you can get um, a protection order, you know, crazy stuff like that. And this was like in Montana. So I mean, domestic violence laws are different, no matter where you go. And, you know, so so question, what happened to the ex, the one that actually did all this, was there any? Oh, yeah. He got into a high speed chase. He stole, a, did a bunch of burglaries, stole a shotgun, came after me with it and was like on the fire escape. And then he got into a high speed chase and then he went to prison for that. So um, I was like in the free and clear. Now I just needed to get, you know, get my life back and get an apartment. And but I had already lost my my health care for signing my kids over. And so I was trying to self-medicate and like 
figure everything out. And I was just, I was always on this, like, I just got to get an apartment. And then when I look at an apartment, I would literally see my own death, like 20 different ways before I even walked into the apartment. Cause I got held hostage in my own house. So now like my sense of safety was gone and I felt so much safer when I was at other people's houses because, you know, it wasn't up to me, like what was going to happen. Like it was, you know, on somebody else to deal with it. And so I really had to like deal with this trauma. And then when I got out of prison, it was the exact opposite. Like I didn't want to leave my house because I had been, you know, in solitary and, you know, going outside was like, you know, bad. And they, it had rewired my brain in a different way. And so now every time I left my house, I was, you know, having a panic attack. And um, one thing, you know, about, they, they when when you're in prison they put you on all these different psych meds and if you don't take them you get written up or put in solitary or whatever they feel like doing to you and um so i was on thirteen hundred dollars worth of psych meds some of these psych meds if you just stop taking them like lithium it can kill you your heart can stop you know whatever you go into psychosis all this great stuff can happen to you so when i got out i tried to get health care it was the same governor as before and they told me the only way i could get health insurance is if i got pregnant and I'm like, I'm just trying to be okay enough to like be there for my other kids who are already here. And this is in Maine. Yes. And so, so I was trying to find a way to get these prescriptions paid for. And I didn't have $1,300. I had a place to live yet. So, so I'm spacing these medications out and, you know, slowly spiraling. And I ended up going back on probation because of it. But when I got out for good, Janet Mills had taken over and she expanded Maine Care. And here I am I was gonna ask, yeah. five and a half years later and I'm still sober. I'm still, I'm doing things I never even dreamed I would be, you know, I'm not like some huge celebrity or anything, but I never thought I'd be talking on podcasts and, you know, having a brand with my art. I never thought I would, you know, have anything like that. So, you know, it was just the bare minimum of me having healthcare and me being able to go to the doctor and therapy and trauma counseling and mat treatment when I needed it. Because I had, I, again, I had to take care of my trauma before I could deal with my addiction because that's what was, you know, driving the instability and the panic and, you know, just, and when, when you're a drug addict and you have mental health issues, whether it's chronic pain or, you know, a PTSD trigger, your brain works against you. So say a big scary man that resembles my ex comes in and it triggers me. My brain is going to pull that card of drugs and be like, you need to do this or you're going to die. That's what my brain is literally telling me to do as an addict. And to finally understand that and, you know, be able to overcome it. It's, you know, it was a long road and I don't even like get, get the urge to go do drugs when I get triggered anymore. I just get, you know, pissed off for five minutes and then, you know, whatever. But, you know, like you really have to understand that when an addict becomes addicted, their brain has been rewired to always go back to that substance, whether they're in chronic pain, whether they're sad, whether it's, and it's going to be completely irrational. It's going to be, their brain is telling them you are going to die if you don't get the substance. So, I mean, if, Yes, addicts, you know, choose to continue to do drugs and you, you choose to get help or you choose to, you know, remain in it. But if there's no help available, I don't really, you know, you can't really hold people, you know, accountable to that. 
Like, well, well so, so Elizabeth, so someone could ask the question: um, What if you had gone to a different state? Maybe you know where you can not only be away from the, I guess the, I guess the elements, change of scenery. But also some states are more, I guess, they have different rules in terms of insurance right. and things that can help, you know. And by the way, this this is in New York State, for example, there's a big, you know, uh, a lot of people come in temporarily to the state for health care. And obviously that's not a good thing. Uh, and so they, they get investigated for it because, you know, you have to be literally a resident of the state for a minimum of a few months before you can qualify. Yeah. But in your case, you didn't have anything. You could have, you know, literally relocated and lived your life, you know, in a new state and maybe over time, you know, qualify. But then that, that again, maybe that time period you would need, you needed the help immediately, not wait for a few months. So I get it. Right. But but you said that it got expanded. So now you were able to get the care and get yeah. into the facilities, get, you know, pretty much cleaned up, you know, from from the addiction. Because by the way, you're right. I mean, addiction is is what it is. It's a tough game. I know you... You talked about, you know, how the drugs are, you know, manufactured, big pharma and all this stuff and all this, you know, stuff is addictive. Unfortunately, it is. Uh, there's there's an addictive value in most of the drugs that are out there, uh, especially psych meds. It is a known thing. As a matter of fact, you know, if I'm driving with a psych medication right now in my vehicle and I don't have a prescription for it, I'll go to jail because yeah. that's actually illegal. Right. So yeah. so it's 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 pretty much that because they know that that is that is a medication unless you have it. You know, and even when you go to the pharmacy, if you don't have a prescription and, and you have ID. They will not issue these things because they are, you know, uh, narcotics, basically. Right. So so it's very difficult, you know, to and once you get caught up in that 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 vicious circle. I mean, it's, it is what it is. It's, yeah. it is, it is hard to pull from it, whether it's drugs, alcohol, in any of the, the type, even gambling sometimes can be just as bad, you know, oh, yeah. but, but, th but those are all bad, you know, things. Now, again, they're, they're bad things. I know people can say, well, people choose to get into those circumstances sometimes are more difficult and depends on the person, you know, you, to your point, one thing led to the other before you knew it, you were already in there and it was right. a little too late. So. You know, 70% of opioid addicts started because they went to their doctor. And when the doc, my problem is, you know, when you go to the doctor, my generation, we trusted our doctors and we did what we were supposed to. When we had anxiety from, you know, not being able to pay our college loans, we went to the doctor and they gave us benzos and they said, oh, don't worry, it's not addictive, it's not this, only 2% get addicted. You know, they were fed the wrong information by pharmacy companies. And you know, no one ever told me that these psych meds were physically addictive. They just gave them to me and said, here you go. They never told me the side effects, they never, you know, they said, oh, they said you might feel a certain type of way, you might feel this, they never said it was dangerous coming off of, they never said, it would put me into physical withdrawals. It never, they never said it would, you know, cause psychosis if they gave me the wrong medication. And this is my problem with it because, you know, I could have avoided years of, you know, pain and gotcha. suffering and insanity if I had just been informed properly. And that's what doesn't happen is they don't inform people. They don't, they, you see a doctor for 15 minutes and they are giving you these crazy psych meds. And then they're not around, and they're no, they were not picking up a phone when they go wrong. Well, so, so Elizabeth, I mean, listen, you're right. It is a difficult place to be, and uh, I mean, there's other things, you know, like you can use some natural stuff, you know, for someone who is just on the onset, just beginning stuff, you know. Right. I, and I think people now more than ever are getting more aware of uh, options, what's available out there. I mean, 
you know, for example, CBD, you know, and there's different variations right. of that. Now they can actually do some of the, the work that, that uh, as opposed to the opioids and, and it changes, you know, dynamics, but you're right. It's all about education. Uh, again, the world of podcasts have expanded tremendously. So there's more people, doctors that come on now and talk about these things and kind of guide people a little bit. So there is that because in, 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 to be honest, you know, in the regular uh, media, you're not going to get a lot of that resource. And maybe you get a topic here and there if you catch it, maybe. But at least on the podcast, you know, format, you know, you have these these shows that are all over the place and people can replay them. You can right. connect with these resources. So there's, there's that solution. But again, this for someone who has gone through it is, you know, it's a very difficult, you know, you had right. years of your life that were basically, uh, you would love, if you could re erase them, you probably would, but you can't, right. obviously, they're part of you. But here's the thing, now we're going to transit into what it did to you. At the end of the day, you know, you are probably the strongest person today compared to, to wherever you were, you know, in, in, in history. And you said it, today you're doing something terrific. You've actually turned alive. You got out of the addiction. You have started your own company, and and you are you're a designer. You're doing different things, and you're actually taking it on the road, uh, and and you're also doing the mission of of maybe changing some of the legislation to help maybe the next you know other women, uh, you know, not yeah. go through the same process. Women and men, for that matter, because you know this could be again, uh, you know, I, you know, we'll we'll keep it strictly for women now. But 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 you're right. I mean, this this thing is is. Uh, a legislation can benefit everybody if it's a correct legislation. So, so you're doing the work now. Again, it's going to be uh, difficult, but 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 you're doing it. You're going through there, and uh, I I hope that it's happening because every state is different, uh, and you know depends on currents and things like that. You can get some support in, you know, uh, folks, and hopefully you can get it done. Uh, now, now the transition. It, I was reading that you were in the penitentiary and you were actually doing murals and stuff. Yeah, so, so that, I had one of the highest paying jobs in the prison. I got paid $57 a month to paint murals. And I would also, um, I had a side hustle, so I'd like smuggle part of the paint back to my cube. I only got raided twice for that. But um, anyway, uh, I'd paint inmates' cups and then I'd seal it with floor wax. And, you know, it was kind of like giving them a piece of their identity back because, you know, they're, they strip you of everything, you know, you get a number, you get the same clothes as everybody else. And, you know, you're lucky if they even call you by your name, like they're call you inmate, like it's very dehumanizing. And so it was kind of like, you know, giving them the option back. And I had a little tattoo book of like 10,000 tattoos or whatever. And, you know, people would just choose what they wanted me to paint. And yeah, I had my own little business and side hustle in there. And when I got out, I did a couple art shows. Um, I also won a couple writing contests and got a couple of my poems published. Um, and then I found this company called Le Galeriste. And they're a Canadian company. And they take your art and turn it into this beautiful, environmentally friendly, you know, feminine brand. And it also comes in plus sizes. Um, and I got some stuff to show you guys. So this is one of my bags. Um, and again, like I paint all these designs. I don't make the clothes, but um, yeah, I paint the designs. Um, and I, I made this like on my own healing journey, like trying to figure my own life out. This is a shawl. And um, like, I'm, I'm really weird. So like one day I'll be like super gothic and like dark femme. And then the next day it'll be like koi fish and butterflies and you know, like, girly stuff you know I got I got this is a placemat 
So, you know, um, they, they also just put like sheets and blankets. So I'm like super excited. I'm about to paint something new and, you know, get some sheets on my website too. Um, this is, this is really good for summer. Um, Everything is handmade, right? I actually am not sure now that you've asked me, I kind of feel like I should find that out. <laughs> um, I think, um, I don't know, but they do, they, they have the ability to do like mass production. So this is a pillowcase. So, so you basically paint the stuff and then they, they produce it. Yes, they okay. produce it. What, what is um, your art? Yes, it's all okay. my original paintings. And um, so it's EPM clothing, like through Le Galeries, and they have other artists too. So um, you have to put like my name and the added on stuff to the website. Because if you just put in legalleries.com, it's just going to bring you to their main website. Everybody. Right, so, right. Um, and this is another one of my bags. And yeah, it's so funny uh, for any of you out there who, you know, have struggled in life like me or having a diagnosis or some sort of disability, there's something called vocational rehab and it's in all 50 states. And like they gave me a business advisor. Like I didn't know about making a business plan or anything like that. I was a hustler and a battered women for years. Like I didn't know anything about that. And they taught me like how to do everything. They walked me through, you know, what I needed to do, who I needed to contact, how to make, um, uh, grant uh, application and all that stuff. And I ended up getting a $10,000 grant. And I was like, I've never gotten this much money legally before. Like, I'm so excited. And so that's how I got like my first, you know, little stash of inventory. And then I went around and I started talking shops and I got them in a couple shops up in Bangor. And um, now that I'm down south, um, I have a couple places that are interested and that want me to paint some girls. So Hopefully, gonna, and if anybody out there has a shop that wants like something different and unique, you know, from the norm, this this brand is definitely different, and I can do wholesale. So, um, yeah, and if you want something personalized, or you know, I could do that too. I love that and, about you because <laughs> because you really are taking it to a different level. It's, they're beautiful, by the way. I mean, great work, and 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 looking at it and looking at your your just excitement about it now like you are a new person you have you have become someone that you could have been that same person all along you just you just had to go through this unfortunate you know events to actually get to today here's the good news and i think that's that's the part that we want to make sure that people get is that i started the discussion about resilience and determination and you know and and just just making it through and and really you got through all this but but after all the hiccups and all this stuff, now you are out there making, trying to make a difference, one, by educating people and sharing your story. By the way, your story could be a tremendous movie. <laughs> you, I, you are not the first podcast host to tell me that. Um, yeah, uh, w one of the first podcasts I did, they were like, you got to get on Lifetime. Like, your story, like, puts their work to shame. And I'm like, yeah, unfortunately, it's true. <laughs> uh, I get but, it. But again, um, you never know, right? You got to be out there. Right. People have to hear it. But but it is. It is impressive. I mean, the stuff that I can just literally, you, you're talking, I'm, I'm watching the whole movie. I mean, literally in my mind, I, I visualized everything. And it's very interesting because I think everybody that's actually watching and listening right now would have the same visual, you know, of all those, those circumstances you had to. I mean, We've done. We've talked about an hour. I think. I think you could do a movie easily with that one, you know, or a book. I mean, at least to start with a book, and that could be something that you can start with right now. My my publicist told me not to talk about that. <laughs> oh, okay. So that's it. That's enough. Good enough for me. Which means it's happening. <laughs> and a congratulations yeah. on that. Uh, you know, but but I actually started 
whatever that may be in prison. So it was like very fresh when I wrote it. Listen, but that's that's it. I mean, at the end of the day, what you've gone through, you've gone through, right? But 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 what you're going to write now is going to potentially help someone else or many other people not to go through it. And that leads me to my question is, uh, if Elizabeth has you know travels back in time right now, and what would have what would you do different, uh, and what would you recommend to girls at that age today? Well, you know, if I've I've had people ask me like, well, would you just turn away from him and you know never talk to him? No, I wouldn't. I would go through it all again because if I didn't go through it, I wouldn't have my son. And you know, I I love that little boy more than anything. And I'd go through that, you know, a thousand times over just to have him in my life. And, um, you know, I think sometimes you're put through things to put an end to it so that other people don't have to go through it. And, um, you know, I never thought myself as a political person, but, you know, I just kept getting so mad about nobody. I felt like nobody understood what the problem was. And um, so I started going and I started talking to legislation and I started going to, you know, uh, political meetings and, you know, telling them what they were doing wrong. And they actually listened to me. The city of Bangor, it didn't pass in the state of Maine, but they passed this in the city of Bangor because I threw a fit about it. Um, so we had all these landlords that um, were, you know, charging these ridiculous application fees and they were getting three times the rent and just not renting the apartment to anybody because they're getting three times the rent in these application fees and processing fees and all these other junk fees that they don't really need and aren't, you know, there's no reason for them. You just want free money from people. You know, it's like the banks and their overdraft fees. There's no reason for that. You don't need it. You are just nickel and diming the poor people who really can't afford to have $5 a day taken away from them by the time they get, you know, especially if they're paid bi-weekly, you know, every two weeks, half their paycheck is going to be gone because you have these ridiculous, you know, free money grabs for, you know, the elite. And so um, Bangor passed um, a tenant bill of rights. And one of the things is you cannot charge an application fee unless if a lease is signed. And this, I think this bill needs to be just across the board in this country because housing is a disaster right now. You know, I'm not one for communism, but, you know, China doesn't really have very many homeless people. Like, they take care of that. And, you That's know. That's a whole different topic there. <laughs> right. But, but, but you're right. I mean, listen, there's definitely a lot of work to be done. Uh, yeah. We're not a perfect nation, as people may think. We are better than some uh, in some areas, but but to your point, there's still a lot of work to be done here, and uh, uh, it's it's unfortunate, but it is reality. And 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 people are trying to make a difference every now and then, every day. There's someone that's actually doing something about things, but it, it's you can't change a system that has been you know in place for a long time, and it's very right. difficult to to circumvent some stuff. And you got to work with it. And you, again, unfortunately, we're not we're not taught to be smart enough to actually navigate the system early on. Well, they want to keep us stupid. Well, they want to keep us stupid because then we're not we're easier to extort and manipulate. Uh, if people it, it, are uneducated, then they right. don't know you're screwing them over. And you know, one of my favorite. Well, I hate I hate what he said, but I'm 
I appreciate the honesty. Um, I can't remember what president it was, but they said, if you can convince the lowest white man that he is just a little bit better than the highest black man, he will pay you to rip him off. And that is what is happening with this country, with the divide and, you know, oh, it's the black people, they're all criminals. And oh, it's the Spanish people, they're coming over the borders and bringing the drugs. You know what? That reminds me of, you know, when I was in prison, Paula Page got on TV and said, black thugs from the hood come up to Maine and impregnate our white women and flood our streets with drugs. And I'm sitting there like, man, I was a drug dealer. And I can tell you firsthand, the only reason these black thugs are coming up here is because white people are going down and getting them. Whether it's a confidential informant working for the police to, you know, get their quota up on how many arrests they have or, you know, a drug addict trying to bring make money and become a drug dealer, whatever it may be. It is not them just coming up here. It is the white people from Maine going down and getting them. And you see that at the Texas border now. You know, they're saying, oh, the refugees or the cartels loading them up with drugs. Eighty percent of the drug busts are Americans going and getting it like stop demonizing these people and you know passing the blame off because you you know you you want to demonize them and you know dehumanize them and make people think they're a problem when really they just need help you you know i think i think you found another vocation right now and that is really <laughs> politics you you will do a terrific job i mean you're gonna rob a lot of folks you know the wrong way but i think listen <laughs> politics is all about that right you gotta you gotta push you know through the agenda and but but you do have a voice about it and 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 you have a different uh, i guess visual because you've you've encountered some of these things the realities that most people are not seeing every day you you you've seen the other side of of what where, where this world is and so you you have a different outlook on things and that's I mean, you share with people, so people are hearing it and see it. And now maybe someone's like, oh, I, I, I think I see what you're talking about here because we might see this stuff when, and we think it's happening just there. And, you know, right. and you walk right by it and sometimes you don't even acknowledge it, but it's happening and it's real. Listen, the feds took me all the way from Maine to Oklahoma, over a dozen facilities. It's happening in all of them. There is not a single facility in this country that is not unnecessarily harming somebody. And they're getting a pat on the back for it because they're rehabilitating them. And it's... <laughs> well, listen, I mean, I, I mean, some people can say that the American prison system is probably better than some other countries in a way, maybe. But but there are countries with, with no prison systems, you know, that they actually, you know, literally don't have. Like, I mean, some of the, the, the Scandinavian countries, I mean, I think they, they have them, but no one's there or something like that. You know, I mean, there were some case studies that, you know, People don't, they, they have empty facilities, you know, as opposed to, because they have different things. So, uh, and there's the other, like you said, there's the drugs, there's this, there's so many things that can contribute to someone actually becoming in that system. Yeah. And once you're in the system, it's over because it's, it's coming out of it is difficult, but, but you did, you are, you're out of it. You were able to, to take the time and now you are, you know, carving out a different path for you. Uh, you are you are actually a, uh, an entrepreneur now. You are taking it on the road. And by the way, you using what 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 skills you have, and and art is your thing, and you're doing it. Uh, it's gonna take on as long as you keep at it. I'm sure that's gonna you know make it happen. Uh, the more you do of these talks and stuff, uh, it's gonna just you know explore ex, ex, uh, expose the actual products more and more to to people around. Uh, and I'm I'm assuming these things can be sold all over the world, not just in the states, right? Yeah. Yeah. So it's online, right? Yeah. Uh, all right. And um, yeah. And, and again, I mean, uh, 
you know, I mean, we've exceeded the, uh, I mean, I, I, there's more to talk about here, but, but really, you know, uh, I like what you said about the, you won't change anything because of your son. And, 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 and that is, that is probably most people will do whatever it takes for their kids, you know, they'll die for their kids. Right. And so, you know, that's, that's probably the, the most beautiful thing that you've had. And, and that's where you went through what you went through. Uh, and that, as, as unfortunate as it is, but, but you did now, I'm assuming he's been taken care of by the parents and he's grown and he appreciates it. And, and now you're here and he's back in your life, you're back in his life. And that's a, that's a good, you know, ending, I would yeah. say to, to a, a very horrible story, which again, in the movie, that would be a nice little ending. <laughs> you know, if, yeah. you know, if, if this was two years from now, literally, cause that's where our media company is heading, I would have literally taken this movie on. Um, but maybe you never know, <laughs> you know, hey, time hit me up in, in a couple of years, whenever you guys got it. Yeah. yeah but, but, but it is, it is a, an interesting story of, of a lot of things. And you know, it, it depicts a real story, uh, you know, from, you know, from a family to, to motherhood, to the system, to, to the corruption, maybe to, to, you know, uh, to business. I mean, it's, it's all and on. And there's a lot of lessons to be learned from, from, from this discussion today. I mean, it's really, uh, a lot of things, some things to avoid, some things to potentially, you know, learn about and educate ourselves more about so we don't fall into the trap. Uh, and also, like, you know, the whole part that, you know, no matter what happens, uh, look at the bright side and take that and eventually, you know, move on. Yeah. The past Man, is laughter, past. Laughter makes the pain go down easier. That, that's my advice for the day. Like, it really does. So, so you know, I did have one more question. I, I want to ask it just, just because... Um, were you ever approached by religious, you know, uh, folks uh, as as God. as a means to to get you out of the system or any of that? Just because because no. I know that there is because there is that path. Some people choose the church or whatever religion you know uh, denomination do you want to to make a difference. Was that something that you've entertained? Um, you know, I. I I found I can say that I found God in jail and. Um, I love the Lord Jesus Christ. I just don't like the corrupt institutions that weaponize his teachings to oppress people with. And, you know, I, one girl tried to order some of the banned books of the Bible. And I used to be like, Oh, you got to follow the Bible. Got to follow the Bible. And then this girl tried to order some of the banned books of the Bible in prison and they wouldn't let her have it. So naturally I had to read them when I got out because <laughs> oppositional defiance and whatever diagnosis they they put up along with that and um i have to say um y'all should read the rest of the story it's it's really pretty good and um like for instance all the books written by women automatic blasphemy and um it really gives the power back to the people and it's so funny because that was my first experience with banned books and now it's like a really big deal everywhere because there are all these books being banned and you know people don't like that and i just i think it's so funny they've been they've been i, I start you up huh? <laughs> I, I i started a whole new show with <laughs> i know i'm sorry none of it's good but but again and the reason i asked because you know Typically, there is a, a tendency of, of finding God, you know, and whichever, you know, again, different ways of, of doing that. Uh, in jail, there, there's a big, you know, uh, I guess, component of that. And so people do come out in, in a better way that way. But even before you went in, you know, was there any help from, let's say, the church for you? Not, no, right. I went, I asked churches for help and they said, well, you don't go here, so we're not going to help you. 
I'm like, yeah, how Christ-like of you. <laughs> I mean, it could have been any other denomination, not necessarily church or, or Christianity, but, but, but have you tried any? I mean, obviously you did, and it was not, it was um, a, a dead end. No, I, you know, I, I like, I am kind of one of those omnitizic, omnitizic, I don't, I can't, I don't know if I'm saying the word right, but I find value and, you know, wisdom in all religions. You know, they all have something really great to offer and this whole, oh, you have to just choose one. No, I'm on my own path and that is for me and whatever higher powers up there to, you know, figure out. And I'm not going to follow some denomination, you know, because men are telling me I have to. <laughs> and yeah. All right. Now that, that answers that. <laughs> but again, it, it is, it is a, you know, sometimes people do tend to, uh, I mean, sometimes they do find God literally in, in a way and, and it helps I them. Had, yeah. I have had really strange supernatural experiences my whole life. And, um, yeah, I was really kind of scared of it for, um, a while. Um, but yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I, I really, you know, I think I, um, came in contact with some darker entities before I really found the ones that were, you know, coming from the light, but yeah. And <laughs> yeah, listen, remember there's the good and the bad and, Oh, yeah. You can easily, easily veer out to one or the other, and it's very difficult sometimes to to once you're in one aspect of life, it it's becomes terrifying. very. If you're in a dark side, you're. I mean, that's just like Star Wars, right? Come to the dark side versus you know the Force may be with you or, or the Sith, right? So, so it's the same concept here. I mean, and those are movie concepts, but they're really based on real stuff. I mean, there yeah. is there is a tendency to go evil. There's a tendency to go good. And finding that 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 nice little play, you know, is 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 sometimes difficult for people. And and you're right, sometimes it takes experiences that are tragic to actually get you wherever. But the good news is, you are in a better place. You are in a better spirit. You are in a better mood. You are doing things for yourself. Life is moving on, you know, in a better way. And and I think that's there's no better outcome than that. I mean, there's there's certainly better outcomes for you to get, you know, more successful and so on and so forth. But today. You know, you are living a normal life, and again, normal is is a you know figure of speech here, because <laughs> what's normal, right? But but you are living, uh, you know, what people would think, you know, is a normal, and it's difficult because you still have to live with that 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 uh, I guess label, because unfortunately, people do right. have that. That's not, and but but what I like about you know what you go is that you don't care. Because you are out there. I mean, no, I, I like you, you're talking about it, and it's it's not something it's not, you're not ashamed ashamed of it because that's past. And you are here today and you want you taking it to the next level. And that's really another message for people. The past is gone. You learn from it. Today is a great moment. Tomorrow hasn't happened yet. So you just keep working towards a better future. That's it. Well, it's funny because usually the people that are so quick to judge me are the fastest to crumble over, you know, the slightest little inconvenience in their life. And it's just, it kind of makes me laugh because it's like, I mean, you can't even deal with that. Like you would not last a second in my shoes even let alone walking the path that i did and so it's you know i find you know the most judgmental people are the ones who really couldn't handle it at all and, and, and with that we have to be clear that you know um it's best not to judge people because you don't know yeah you know every day you you see people you have no idea what they're going through 
whether they're going in a rush in the car, whether they're going slow, you don't know what they're thinking, what they might have lost their job. Maybe they're going because they're going to have an interview. They might have a problem, you know, domestic, you know, thing. It could be anything. And no one knows what's that except those people. Right. So don't judge people. Uh, yeah. and, and, and you're right. I mean, it's, it's amazing how sometimes, uh, unless you, you put the shoes on somebody like other people's shoes on, you, if you fit those shoes, that's fine. But typically you're not going to do it unless you try those and, 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 and walk yeah. into them because that's when the pain happens. I'm like, Oh my goodness. I, it's tough, but that's that. And that's, that's true for all different, pro, you know, things in life, right? You, you know, it doesn't matter what you do. If, if you haven't tried it, you know, you can't judge it. It's one thing to have an opinion. But do it first, then have an opinion. That's the difference. Right. Because if you don't do it, you're not going to. Now, some people say, well, I'm not going to do bad things to get an opinion. But I, I would agree. You know, if we know drugs are, are bad, you're not going to do drugs. But but right. you never know what happened, what triggered. And you're sometimes we're lucky not to get to those problems. You know, not everybody gets lucky. If you right. get lucky, thank God for it. Or, 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 or and just be thankful that you didn't get into that system. Right. And that's it. I used to think that um, drug addicts were weak, like they were like mentally weak for not being able to stop. And then I got humbled in the most brutal way possible where I didn't have a choice. I didn't even choose to do the drug. You know, it was forced on me. And so, you know, that was one of those really humbling experiences that, you know, I went through because I used to pass judgment. So. I mean, I understand it, but <laughs> well, listen, you know, if we, I can we, bring awareness and compassion, I'll do that too. Well, listen, I think we all have made that mistake. And, and I don't think if you're human, you haven't made the mistake to judge somebody only to realize that, oh man, you know, I, I shouldn't have, you know, and, and that's, that's the thing. Like people are going through tough times every day and you don't know. And, and you can appear to be having the best life, even the most, you know, prominent, you know, Hollywood stars, right? I mean, uh, uh, you know, people die you know and only to find out why you know something happened to them they they you know uh, it, it's crazy right uh, it, you never know what people are going through until it's over and and until you're like oh my god what happened they, they looked happy well appearances can be very uh deceiving right and and unfortunately that's reality uh well, Elizabeth, this was an interesting, very, very, uh, you know, unique, I would say, show in a lot of aspects. We've 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 talked about a lot of different things. You've you've enlightened us about about a whole world that probably people are like who uh, I didn't know that this had this happened. And by the way, this is the states, but um, if you live in another part of the country, because this is actually a worldwide show. I mean, if you live in any part of the world, I mean, things could be worse, things could be better. You never know. Yeah. Uh, but but you know. Uh, it's one thing to watch movies, one thing to actually, but but really uh, hearing stories, live stories from people's own past and experiences, it is humbling. And, you know, uh, and if you are a parent out there, you know, whatever you can do to help your kids, you know, maybe uh, be part of their lives so they don't go and, and maybe sometimes make the wrong choice. And I'm not saying that, you know, in a bad way, but, but you know, it happens, right? It's difficult. Uh, there's so many things that can be done, but, but, you know, we can all support and help somehow, somewhere. Uh, and that's all that matters. Right. And, uh, you know, um, I, I am sorry that you had to go through all this, but, but you said it, you could not be who you are today if you didn't go through these things. And that's a good way to look at things. I mean, that's just your mindset right now. That's, that's talking proper, right. You know, it's like, I can't do nothing about that, but I can learn from it and make it better. Right. And you did. So I know you said your last words of wisdom, I think, but, but, you know, if you want to recap something and send it to our audiences, what would that be? Um, 
uh, give people compassion. Just show them compassion. I mean, I didn't get better and, you know, really start to heal till I was shown compassion. And if you guys want to help, you know, inmates, you can sign up to be volunteers and, you know, do little Bible studies. And, you know, there was one guy that came and he did a writing class with us. And, you know, just get them out of the pod. Give them some hope. Give them something to talk to. Treat them like a human being. Like You have no idea how grateful we were for that you know especially in the county jails like and books if you have old books please donate them to your local jails because they they don't put money you know for inmate you know to have stimulation and people just lose their mind in there because there's nothing you know for them to stimulate their mind with all right well listen it is good advice i mean to, to your point i mean i i do tend to believe people can make mistakes and sometimes, you know, not everybody is a, a, a bad person that winds up in, in the system. And you're right. They're still human. And, uh, you know, God forgives. I think we should. But but I'm not, again, I'm saying that with a grain of salt because, I mean, sometimes I, I believe yeah, I'm in not talking about sex offenders or, like, yeah, murderers yeah, or anything. If you, I'm if talking you about do, the majority. Yeah, if you do the crime, you, you know, the time, as they say, that's one thing. But, but but you know, I mean, I, I, that's a different justice. But, but it has to be done ju with justice. You know, that's right. the concept. So it's not just in the system. It's got to be, you know, proper justice. And yes, you're not supposed to be abused and, 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 and going through different things unless it is some sort of a punishment that is part of your, your verdict, whatever, which doesn't exist in the States anyways. I mean, unless, no. you know, <laughs> we're not in that system, right? But 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 again, uh, you know, Elizabeth, it, it's been uh, real. I mean, as real as it gets, this this talk was one of probably the most interesting and, and powerful topics I've had, you know, to, to tackle and, 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 and interact with. But you know what? I learned quite a bit myself. And uh, I know that at least we've learned a few things that, that can open our minds and, and, and our <laughs> eyes bigger and so on and so forth, at least understand what people are going through. And you never know, you know, what, what that is, right? And so um, I want to thank you for being with us today and, and really sharing the whole, you know, shebang. I mean, you went all around, <laughs> you know, but it was, it was worth the time. I think uh, we've covered quite a bit. Um, Folks, I hope you've you've had an interesting, you know, show with us today. And really, we took you on a quick ride in, in, in multiple years of different ordeals up and down. But we ended up with, with positive, you know, outcomes. And that's where we are today. Elizabeth is, is moving towards her target of becoming, you know, a business person who's successful and hopefully taking her products and company uh, bigger and bigger. We look forward to seeing that in the real world, you know, as as a as as a design, as as a, a brand itself, which can happen. Uh, just keep up the work. That's it. That's all I have to say. So, uh, American Age. We'll be talking soon. New day, new show, new topic. Bye for now.